I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Bad news. Bad, 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 bad news. Ten minutes left. Yeah, but there's still some time. Welcome to episode 111 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander, although not as depressed. And we thought we would get some, what I say sex appeal in this podcast, something to cheer us up. So we couldn't get Rachel Bonetta, she'd left. So next best thing, we've got Harjit Jahal. Hey guys, how's it going? So as I said, this is episode 111. Nelson, if anyone is an aficionado of cricket, when a team scores 111 or a player scores 111, it's called Nelson and the umpires hop on one leg. And superstition is that it brings bad luck. Clearly it has brought bad luck because the Whitecaps were outplayed by Seattle Sounders. 2-0 defeat today at BC Place. Just depressing stuff, Steve. Yeah, it was... uh... You can see how it played, also how it uh, strategized. Well, that might be the tactics bit. were big. Yeah, played that, a big part in this game. I I don't know if I want to say they were outplayed though, because Seattle got their two goals in the first half on just two shots. Yeah. Um, and Har, they, they played well. They just couldn't convert the chances or break down the Seattle backline. Yeah, they didn't have too many opportunities in the finishing. It just wasn't there. I thought Rivera was left on an island, and Seattle talked about how they wanted to come in here and play a very strong defensive front, and we saw that because Vancouver generated very little, and the few chances that Seattle did have, they buried those in the, the first half. I, I, yeah, I think I think both Manny and uh, Tichero, who who started, I think it was his first start. I yep. think, um, and then uh, I think he they they played too wide and uh, did not give enough support to Rivero. And obviously Morales was trying to avoid Ozzy Alonso, and and he was nowhere to be found up there as well. So I do agree. Yeah, the, the, he, Rivero had a tough time up there, and then having to deal with a guy like Chad Marshall, a physical force like that, is not easy. I, mean, I had tweeted that out during the game, just that Rivero had been left so much on his own. He was doing all the work, he was doing all the hustling, there was times where he flicked the ball on, and there's just no one there, there was just no support. Yeah. And I think he, they were too concerned about Seattle for some reason, they gave too much respect to Seattle in that game. There, there was definitely a big gap between Rivero and then who was coming in, and well, we'll talk about some of the individual players in, in this second part of this. Let, let's look at the goals first of all. So and Another early goal for second yeah. straight game. It wasn't a giveaway, but it was, it was, it was basically yeah. being... 
Flat-footed, getting caught flat-footed the back line. Wasn't as bad as the goal that they gave away against Edmonton, but Har, it was, it was a poor goal to, to lose. How much blame do you put on the, the Whitecaps defenders for that, and how much credit do you have to give Barrett for the good finish? I'd say that goal was just a pure momentum killer because you could feel the energy in BC place coming into the match in the, the opening few minutes, and it just kind of zapped the whole stadium. I thought the goal uh, really set the tone. It really did catch uh, Kendall and um, Pomaduka off guard. You know, they, they held Chad Barrett onside pretty much just inviting him to... I think it was Cobb mostly that holding yes. him onside. Waston was one forward a little bit. But it pretty much just you know, an invitation to get behind there and, and slot it past uh, a David Alstead. So poor, uh, poor mechanics and poor tactics in quite a few areas on that particular goal. But it was a fantastic finish by Barrett. Uh, he took one touch into the box and just slipped it right by Alstead, who tried to be, just play big and tried to come out a little bit. Yeah, and then after that, it's like Seattle, they didn't have to do much. They just basically sat back, they soaked up whatever pressure Vancouver gave them, which wasn't a lot, and then they, they hit on the break, got their second goal, more, not the best defending really by, by the Whitecaps, Charity gets his... Charity? Charity. <laughs> Barrett gets his second in the 38th minute, and it was a tough one because Betashur moved up. He was... Barrett was basically Betashur's man, but Betashur mm-hmm. tracked a run for someone else and left Waston with... No, no, Barrett was actually with Waston. Um, it was Betashur was covering someone else. That other person uh, sucked Betashur just a couple of steps up to the midfield. And you could see that those couple of steps, and that's when the, the, the ball came in from, I think it was Papa. It was Papa. Perfectly weighted ball. And, ball. and another point on that goal was uh, Morales had gone off to change his shoes. Where Papa was is basically where Morales would be sitting. And Papa had so... I keep saying Papa, it sounds weird. Papa. And, and, and he, he basically had so much time to deliver that ball in there. And again, Barrett with two outstanding finishes. You don't expect that from a former TFC striker. But two out, that, that was a first-time strike. And he also, again, no chance on that one either. Yeah, I mean, with the ball that he delivered as well, after the game, he kept telling everyone, that's how you play a pass, that's the perfect ball. And it's like, hey, Papa, don't preach. Yeah, exactly. So, but overall, and, and that's all they needed, in fact, is those two goals, because second half, they shut him down. We were, we were talking about the Whitecaps not have creating chances. They were, they were good in the build-up, the build-up of the play, but that their build-up basically died when it got into the final third, especially when it got around the box. They had nobody in there. Yeah, there was just you know nothing for Vancouver. You can count their chances in the second half on solely on one hand, if if that. Seattle, you know, they drove up the Interstate Five and they parked their bus right in the second half, and Vancouver really couldn't do much. And you could you kind of could tell that they weren't going to get anything, and yeah. you can see that nothing was really going to come of that. And I wonder if Carl Robinson's substitutions reflected that. Let's just hear a little bit from both coaches just now. Because we, we talked about the first goal there. So I asked Carol that the first goal, was it going to be a case whoever got that was going to decide the game? So let's hear the thoughts of Carol on that. And then, Steve, you were in the away locker room again, as always, because you, you like hanging around out there. And you spoke to Ziggy Schmidt. And he was a jolly fellow today. He was. He was. Really rosy cheeked. Yeah, yeah, he was in a proper good mood today. Yeah. Is that going to be a case, Carol, of whoever scored first pretty much had the game in the back? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I spoke to the group this week about they're a good team. You know, supports your winners. We know that good players. Um, 
first goals changed games and I, I couldn't fault the group. I really couldn't the way we played in the first half, especially in, to go in 2-0 half-time down is, was difficult to take. Um, but first goal, yeah, probably was going to be the deciding factor. Second half, head seemed to go down. Pedro especially, he just kind of... No, I don't think I don't think that's a fair assessment. I think you know when you're playing against a very good team, and they are a very good team, then you know as you said, there the first goal changes the game. Um, you know we were able to play through them in the first half, and in the second half when the, the dynamic of the game has changed, then you know they have the ball, they keep the ball, they've got some very good experienced players who know how to manage the game and slow it down, and they did. And when you're chasing, it, it becomes hard. So naturally, your body language changes because you're chasing. When you're winning the game, you don't feel you're chasing because you have the ball. When you're not, unfortunately, you do. Uh, we're pleased, you know, obviously we're pleased with the result. And, uh, you know, I thought the team played very well tactically. Uh, you know, we learned from last week as well. You know, we put those lessons uh, into effect today. Uh, I thought we did a good sh job of shutting down their balls over the top. I thought we shut down Rivero fairly well. And I thought we had Morales in check for most of the game also. So I was really pleased. Uh, and obviously we, we had some timely finishing from uh, Chad Barrett. Vancouver scored the majority of their goals here at home. What would you guys do to frustrate them offensively? I, I just think we talked about dropping our line. We talked about you know making sure that we established our line of confrontation a little bit further back. We know that you know they like to get the ball to Morales and then stretch the team by having Mane and and Teixeira and Rivera run behind the defense. We wanted to take that space away from them, and I thought we did that very well. Seattle's now a point back of Vancouver. Would you say this was a statement win for the Sounders? Uh, you know, it's early in the season, you know, but, you know, we wanted to, uh, you know, let people know that we're still here, you know, that we haven't disappeared. I know uh, Dallas and Vancouver have been on top of the table pretty much from the beginning of the season, uh, but we want to let people know that, uh, you know, the road still goes through Seattle whenever possible. So that was Siggy Schmid, um, happy about the performance. You clearly see it by the answers. But let's get back to Rob, uh, Robbo when he was asked about the substitutions. Um, let's talk about it ourselves, our thoughts on it. I think each of the substitutions have to be questioned. Um, they, they didn't seem to, none of these guys seem to have any effect. And obviously, I think all three of us, uh, tweeted out and agreed that Earnshaw, we were wondering where Earnshaw was, and that's the guy you want to see when you're chasing goals. Well, Carroll said after the game that he didn't bring him on because the game was still wide open, and he felt that Seattle hadn't been pinned back. And he didn't think that Earnshaw was the kind of guy to do that. And that's why he brought Mattix and Froze on. But when you've got a guy like Earnshaw, he's done it every club that he's played with. He's played internationally. He's a proven goal scorer. And you bring on, I mean, we're fans of Kian's Rose, but you bring on a 19-year-old kid to try and chase a two-goal game makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, and, and, and you were talking about Earnshaw. We were talking about in the previous segment how everything died in the, in, the, in the box, basically. Once they got to the box, it died. Earnshaw is the type of guy who can make something happen in there and, and control the ball and finish something um, that other players weren't able to finish throughout the whole game. So I think he was a vital person. Earnshaw, he only needs one or two chances to uh, convert a goal, and I think in this match it, it should have been very evident that he should have been on the pitch because Vancouver was struggling to create, struggling to get anything going, and a guy like Ernie's caliber, you wonder why he's always sat on the bench. He didn't, he didn't start against Edmonton. You know, he's not going to play tomorrow in the USL match, so I have to wonder why is he here to be a bench warmer? And 
he'll never admit it, but he's bound to be getting frustrated and pissed off. Yeah. It's it's tough for the, the guy. I mean, let's look at the other subs. Gershon Kofi came on for Russell Tybert. Now, Carroll said after the game that Tybert had no gas left in his Which time. is weird, because he didn't play at all in the... He's also one of the fittest guys in the yeah. team, which I thought was really... Maybe, maybe, maybe it was just a lot of chasing for him, because like, like we said, like, the well, Sounders controlled all He said he thought it was phenomenal, and yeah. he put in a hell of a yeah. shift, and he, he did, but... Now I know I know Mosquito did not have a good game on Wednesday. I before the substitution happened, I thought the he would be ideal and have Morales draw back um, into a, like in front of Lava and and kind of get him away from the holding guys there. And I thought that would have been an ideal place. I, I maybe Romo just was not impressed with his Wednesday performance and did not want to put him in. Or maybe he like you said he thought that Kofi could push the ball forward, but. I haven't seen it yet from Kofi in, in, in the limited time we've seen him this year. But the other thing as well is, like when you're two goals down and Seattle's not really offering much going forward, you have to change from the two-man defensive shield. Yeah. And I would have taken Matty Labot off, especially because he had the other early booking again. Yeah. And he was diving into some tackles, and you're just thinking one of them mistimed and, and he's gone. He's gone for another game. But, I mean, fair enough. If Tybert's run out of gas, then that Kofi comes in. But then Matic comes on and... Credit to Matix this year, he's done well, he has been a game changer, I don't have any problems with him coming on, but again I would have maybe put him on for Laba, just done something. I think they should have, at the point where they took Chad Barrett off, because he's really their only holding guy, Dempsey's more of a kind of a number 10, he doesn't play number 9 too much, I, I think they should have gone to a three-man back and just taken Kaw off. Because from some of the game, he wasn't playing center back. He was playing holding mid, and he was playing attacking mid. That one time, he moved on the pitch. Kaw was all yeah. over the pitch today. He was up uh, near the box, and then he was back that in was his on a, that was on a That half. was in a counterattack, too. Yeah, I was like, back. what is he doing up there? He's slow as molasses, and you're going to get caught on the back. So I don't know what he, he was doing up there. Maybe he's getting too... Uh, Bored back there, but, but it was a bit puzzling. He's, I don't know if he, Rob was giving him a free reign to do whatever he wants or something like that. It just seems very strange. I, I And we're obviously going to be talking about the players, but I, I really want to... I don't know what's going on with Diego Rodriguez. I don't know if there's been an update on his injury. Well, Carlos had said about a week or so ago that he had hoped he might be good to go for the second leg. Yeah. Um... I don't think he will be. I don't know if you throw him on like that, and especially in, if it's cold there still. Who knows what the weather's like. But, but, My, Myro but I, I, Rosales, though, we'll mention this now. Carl mentioned this at his press conference. Myro might be good to go on Wednesday. Oh, okay. And they might want to save him and not put him in the altitude on, on, on Saturday. But I, we're talking about Rodriguez. If he, once he's ready to go, they got to put him in. I, I, I just think... Parker in. Oh, yeah. Parker, even Parker, or even... No, not Dean. No. Uh, but the... Uh, <laughs> But, I like Dean. No, I, I don't mind Dean too much, but uh, I think Rodriguez is a good fit for Waston. I think Cobb would be a good replacement for Waston when he goes down with a, uh, uh, a suspension, which will likely happen in the next few games or next few weeks. I, I think Rodriguez is the guy that, to play with Waston for the rest of the year. It's, it's, you got to put him in there once he's healthy. I mean, would you say, though, that anyone came out of today's game with plaudits hard? I thought Jordan Harvey had a good game today. I gave him... My man of the match. If you look at the, I believe the Philly game, he started playing 90 minutes. What did he play? 73 against Edmonton. Another 90 today. Yes, he's fresh. Yes, he's starting. I thought he handled himself very well. You know, he's he he was kind of demoted a little bit. We didn't know where he was when Sam Adekubi was playing all those games, and he didn't pout. He didn't complain. He worked his ass off, and now he's gotten back in the lineup. 
I think he looks to have regained the spot at left back. He's done very well, and we saw Sam today, and he was in a walking boot and crutches. So he's got an ankle sprain. We're not sure how long he's going to be out, but I thought Jordan handled himself very well again tonight. So what one of the things, like going into this game, the Whitecaps' defence was praised, David Oustead was praised, all the clean sheets, the, the solidness. A couple of us were speaking just before Carol came to speak after the, the, the game, and we were having a debate. Could you fault Oustead's positioning for either of the goals? Not really. I, I don't think so. I think the balls came in quick, maybe even unexpected a little bit, because if you look at the Dempsey one, Dempsey really, that ball was banged around. Rivero, uh, Tiber knocked it into Rivero. Rivero knocked it back over this way. Dempsey took a touch and just sent it right in. And that was a quick one. So I don't know if Elsa had a chance on that one. And the other one was a first-time strike as well. Papa was just stand, kind of like just sitting there and then all of a sudden struck it in. So, again, I, I don't see Elsted being blamed at all. Maybe he could have... Uh, that would be up to the goalkeeper coach to see if he could have played the angle better or something like that. Or maybe rushed out... Well, uh, Rushed out at Barrett a little bit faster, but other than that, I don't see a major problem with what he played. No, I don't have a problem with David Elson's performance today. Let's not talk any more about the, the Whitecaps players. Let's hear a little bit now. We're not going to have any audio from the Whitecaps players. You can get all that on whitecapsfc.com. So, Steve, you went and spoke to some of the Seattle guys, and obviously they were cock-a-hoop. Yep. We spoke to uh, Chad Barrett, the goal scorer. And then also the central defending pair of Brad Evans and Chad Marshall. Two Chads for the price of one. So let's hear from them now. Neither one was hanging. It's a massive win. You know, it's a Cascadia Cup. It's a Western Conference win. It's a six points and away win. You know, everything about this just, you know, rings awesome in the ears. And um, <clears throat> I don't think I've seen such a calm game by us. I thought yeah. that the, we really had our stuff together. I thought we were well rested from our, tra- you know, our, our travels to Columbus and New York. Uh, I don't think I've seen the back four. It looks so cohesive. Uh, the middle four did a great job. You know, Dempsey did a great job underneath. I kind of let him stretch him out, and you know that really kind of opened up with some good possession, some good passing, and then two great. You know, the first one was a counter attack. You know, great ball by Dempsey, and uh, you know Oste came out. I just wanted to make sure I got it past him, and I knew if I got it past him on this field, it'll roll in because it's so quick. And on the second one, Papa said he was going to find me before the game. You know, and <laughs> he played a you know another great ball. He's had a lot of great passes this year, and great ball over. It just fell really nicely for me. It fell on my left foot. And I just thought Ante Razov. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and you know, just he just was uh, the far post pace picked out, and I just wanted to make sure I got it on target and hit it well and win it. Coming into the week, everybody was talking about Obafemi Martins missing the game and everything. How vital was it to get that early goal and kind of you know give, give that breathing? It's an assurance, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's definitely an assurance. You know, it's good for me. It was my first goal in six months, and you know, it gives me a little bit of boost of confidence, and you know, it gives the team takes a little pressure off. You know, because the first 15 minutes. Whenever we come here, you know, Vancouver always comes at us. They're a great team. Um, you know, they might have been a little tired from the midweek uh, Canadian Championship game. I'm not too sure. But, you know, we came in here, we had a game plan, and we, you know, stuck to it. We did really well. You know, just all around a good performance. I mean, we had the ball, we kept it. And, you know, anytime you play against, I think, 
our team. I think they respected our midfield and they respected Clint. You know, I think they found some joy in connecting passes and, and getting out quickly. So, um, you know, multiple things, but overall just a good team performance. It was a tough week last week against Columbus. Is, is it a lot of lessons learned from there and you were yeah, able to apply yeah. them here? I think yeah, we just talked about it as a good game plan coming in, sticking to it. and um, you know, But also two great goals from, from Barrett, you know, and that changes things. When you score first, it changes things. So maybe if we had bagged the first one last week, it, it changes. But you know, I think we stuck to our game plan even when we went a goal up, even at halftime at 2-0. Um, we stuck to it throughout the full 90 minutes and it paid dividends. And you guys certainly seem comfortable in the second half. I mean, was there even any adjustment at halftime, or no. was it just keep doing what you're doing? Halftime, it's we said zero zero, and, and that's what, that's how we're going to play. We've got to win this half, um, you know. And <clears throat> that was kind of our mo. We still created chances. We absorbed pressure, played out of pressure, and uh, I think the game plan was that everybody was going to work, work hard, and that was the halftime speech. And everybody stuck to it, and you can't say enough. Yeah, and I've asked you this a lot, but feeling com- more and more comfortable back there? I, it was this kind of, has there been yeah, a think, turning point at all? I think um, with that position, you kind of look back at games as learning experience. So San Jose was a big one where, you know, maybe I got too complacent. Um, you know, I think last week, I think I got a little too complacent as well. Um, and playing against Kamara last week provided different challenges against that team, and didn't know what to expect and this week was the same formation but I think I looked at tape and you know we said all right if there's no pressure in the ball let's drop and I think that when we absorb pressure better like that Chad and I can win headers and play out of the back so all learning experiences um, you know and trying not to get too ahead of myself. With the position change and everything how important is it to have a partner like Chad Marshall who can you can lean on you guys are both veterans but you're changing position how important is it? Yeah with Chad it's uh, you don't have to worry about him you know what I mean sometimes in certain positions he probably worries about me more than I worry about him for sure so that's easier on me you know it gives me a chance to just focus on my game because I know 95% of the time he's going to make the right decision so watching him play watching him practice throughout the week and learning from him is something uh, you know that I put in the back of of, of my mind Um, you know so that takes a little bit of pressure off me knowing that I don't have to really worry about the guy next to me. Chad uh, big game here big win for you guys uh, coming off that loss Uh, was there lessons learned from that and you were able to apply to this game? Yeah, I think so. I think we were upset the way we played last week. Myself especially had a, had a bad game. So, you know, guys guys worked hard this week. Um, I think we came in here with a game plan. I knew what we wanted to do, and, and we were able to execute that, and it was a great team performance. Was it uh, – you frustrate, seemed to frustrate Rivero and the, and the other attackers. And there Was that like the game plan just to keep keep everything tight and not let them give him space or around the box especially? Yeah, well, he's, he's a dangerous player. I think he's got six goals on the year, so – uh, we knew if he has time and space that he can create, and <clears throat> we wanted to, to limit his opportunities on goal, and I thought we did a good job of that, frustrating him, trying to be physical with him, and um, everyone on the team works incredibly hard, and it paid off. Your, your partner in the back line, uh, Brad Evans, obviously it's a position change for him. It's not an easy position change to do. How is, how is it like um, playing with him and, and watching out what he does? And Obviously, he's saying you have, you have to watch out for him more than he has to watch out for you. Um, how, how have you seen his development as that back He's been great. I mean, from from preseason to now, it's like he he gets better and better every day. He's he's probably our best defender on the team already. So ten games in, um, that's just a testament to the kind of guy he is, the kind of player you can plug him anywhere on the field, and he's going to do the job and he's going to do it well. So um, it's just just a testament to how hard he works and 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 demand he puts on himself. You guys got now four, three games in a week now. Um, it's just a matter of recovery and getting get into the next game and keep going. Yeah, it's just just taking care of your body. These these weeks are tough, um, especially with travel and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we just gotta gotta get in. We got a good set of trainers and 
you know, guys are professionals. They'll take care of their body, and we've done it before. Perfect. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. So those were uh, the Sounders players we spoke to. Um, and then, Har, you spoke to Tyrone Mears? Yeah, I had a nice chat with Tyrone Mears. It's his uh, first season in MLS. He's come over from uh, the UK. He's from Manchester. He was talking about uh, Kakuta Mane and how he made the adjustments in the second half to kind of lock down Kakuta and you know, f- basically give him nothing. What he talked about was basically in the first half, you know, Kakuda was running at him. He was he was getting behind the defense a little bit, and so the, basically the adjustment was to sit back, let Kakuda run at the defense with mirrors in front of him, thus snuffing out any sort of a, a credible attack. And really, that's basically what the whole Seattle Sounders defense did today. Yeah, and and, and that's something that the Whitecaps tend not to do. Uh, you guys, you got guys like Maddie Lava, Russell Tyron, and when it works, it works. But they're very aggressive going after the players, and sometimes they miss. And that player gets around them very easily, and they basically have a free run up the field. It's something that maybe the Whitecaps need to do a little bit more, too. One thing I'll definitely give Seattle credit for today is the amount of times that they managed to get a foot in front of a Whitecaps shot. Yeah. So that it couldn't go anywhere. Well, it, was, just, it, like, it was just blocked. But well, there was no space, behind, uh, no space in the midfield at all, and that's why they eventually, the, due to substitutions and formations, they Morales was playing on the right side. Where I don't think he likes playing because he, he his, we talked about during the game that the, especially the late half, the body language on the Whitecaps was yeah, kind of I, I off thought, a little bit. You asked Robbo that. I earlier. asked Robbo that after the game, and he yeah. said that that it wasn't a fair thing to say, yeah. and it's like it was because it's like. Maybe it was just frustration. I don't know what well, it was, but there was definitely a body language difference from what. Well, what Carl said was, when you're chasing the game, your heads automatically go down. It's a yeah. natural reaction because you're thinking that's but, your chance yeah, to get back. Yeah, but you expect in. more from your captain. You don't expect your captain to have his shoulders slouched, and he was just meandering about there. Well, somebody, I think it was Jay Duke, mentioning that um, he was a little frustrated. I, I replied back. Maybe he was just beaten up. Maybe it was just like, like the. Uh, getting kicked out of all game long by Alonso and everything like that. It just wears down somebody down. It seems like when the game gets physical, Morales seems to disappear. I think the, the team looked tired today. I think they've been playing a lot of football in a very uh, short amount of time. A lot of travel. Well, Edmonton, but uh, travel. And I think they're just, you know, they're running out of gas. They're using a lot of the same players pretty much, and injuries are starting to pile up on the back line. I think they're looking a bit tuckered out there. Yeah, but you had Seattle, who's, I think this is, was their third game in a row. They played in New York, they played in Columbus, and now here. So, and, and, and they had, yeah, they, 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 were, they, had, they had injuries too, so there was a lot of... Uh, well, they look gassed nonetheless. Well, well I know that. The reason is... Yeah, but I think it was, it was a lot to do with them having to, especially in the second half, like, Seattle just banged around the ball. Like, in Seattle, I know they're, they're one of the top away. teams. The top teams in MLS, but they're not that talented where they can just possess the ball that much. Well... Since we're still talking about Seattle, so let's hear now from Seattle's colour guy, Casey Keller, former goalkeeper. Steve, you managed to catch him in a corridor. Yeah, um, he was just heading out. I asked him for a couple of minutes and he was able to provide some answers for today's game. 
Uh, so Casey, um, your first overall thoughts on the game? Uh, really, I thought it was the first 10 minutes. I thought Vancouver did a good job of putting the Sanders under pressure. They lost a little bit of concentration on the goal and let Barrett kind of sneak in between the two center backs and, and finish. But uh, then I thought really the, the Sounders took control of the match, and I, I thought they did a, a great job of, of frustrating Vancouver. I think Vancouver then later tried to press but looked a little bit disjointed, and they really couldn't put Sounders under under enough pressure. And I know part of the Sounders game, game plan was to try to negate the speed of Vancouver as much as possible by not giving them that space to play the ball over the top. And and I really felt that when Vancouver needed, when they did finally break that little bit of pressure and needed to have a good final pass, they just weren't able to find it. So it was just a real frustrating day all around, I think, for Vancouver. Do you think it was like a lot of lessons learned from last week against Columbus? Where they oh, were against, absolutely yeah. no question about it. I think there were situations last week that they really worked hard all week in trying to put those things right. And, and I think you saw a great team effort from Seattle, closing people down. You saw... Uh, Chad Marshall and Brad Evans doing a great job of, of not allowing Octavio time to come and get the ball and turn and same thing with Morales they just Ozzy Alonso did a great job of kind of negating that space as well and then when the ball went out wide um, you didn't have the space to go run into Mane had a few opportunities coming inside but Tyrone Mears did a great job of forcing him to his wrong foot and and once again when they needed you know Harvey popped up I think at one time where he needed a good cross it didn't come out and and it was a overall, I think, a, a good, solid team effort from Seattle. The week coming into the week, everybody was talking about Obafemi Martins and missing the game, and what was that going to mean? How important was it mentally for Chad Barrett to get that goal early and and get his confidence, get the whole team kind of? No question. I mean, it was great for Chad Barrett to come in and and to really repay you know his manager's confidence and putting him in that situation. But at the same time, you know, it has been the the Clinton Obafemi show this year, and and I think it's so important because you know you're not going to have guys every match. And when you know somebody's missing and somebody else can step up and fill that role for the team, uh, it just gives the whole team confidence. Chad Barrett will come out of this game with a ton of confidence, as will everybody else in Chad Barrett. Thanks a lot, Pleasure. Perfect. Thank, Thank you. you. So that was Casey Keller there. One of the things which Robo said after the game is he highlighted the fact that teams at the top of the table, teams like Seattle, bounce back from these defeats. And he said that's what the Whitecaps need to do now. They need to bounce back. Yeah. They need to go back to the drawing board in some respects. But he doesn't see it as a backward step. He doesn't see it like a step back after their, their good start. One thing, though, that I'll just quickly throw to, to both of you is... When you see a performance like this today against a top team, does it just show the gulf that the Whitecaps still have to close against these teams? Because the only team that they've really played well against this year was LA, and they've kind of, although they've been the one top, the top teams, yeah, yeah. Although they've like been at the top of the table for weeks now, I'm not sure that the way that they're playing, they are a top of the table team just yet. Yeah, the, especially at home. That's the major concern. I, I don't know what the stats are, but... Three they, losses now and a draw. They have it's... dropped a lot of points at home this early in the season. And we, 
we talk about the you know the mid-season road trip or June, July, and how long they're going to be on the road there. Dropping these points at home, no matter who you're playing, is going to going to catch up to you eventually. They're at top of the table, but a lot of Seattle has like a couple games on hand on them. And yeah, they're now one point behind with two games in hand. And and going on the road, we we talked about how dreadful that is. That that's going to kind of catch up on to them. Eventually, I don't know. And they're it, playing better on the road now. Though, no, no, so I, that's true. They're that's a good point. Playing better on the road than at home it might be the best thing for them to have five games on the road. So my question for you, Har. Yes. Is is the White Cats place at the top of the table a little bit inflated, or do they deserve to be there? I think they deserve to be there, but I would also agree that it also is a little bit inflated because if you look at some of the matches, um, and looking at the road matches, they've gotten like either one or two shots on target. And they've scored in the last last few minutes of the match. That San Jose road match, they had zero shots on target. I believe that one in RSL, they had one shot and it went in. So there is a bit of a smoke and mirrors in some aspect, but they've got the points. You know, David Elsa has been great. Octavio's been great. So they are finding ways to get it done, but it's hiding a little bit of what we're also seeing. That the cracks, basically. The cracks, the crack, yes. Yeah. So it's a, a bit of both. And talking about points, I mean, that is key. They have got the points in the bag early. So you can't take that away from them. Other teams like Portland are dropping points. A loss again today against Houston. So, I mean, having these points, while you're not playing that well, could be massive. And then we're hoping that they are going to suddenly click and all these chances that they're creating, they're going to start finishing. And we're talking about that too. There is still a little bit of a chemistry thing too um, because they, they do have Octavio Rivero, although he got to the hot start, is still finding his legs in MLS, and so is a, a new guy who got his first start, uh, Chichero, who was named man of the match. I don't. Well, Rivero's only got one goal in his last six games. But he's still doing the work around. True. But, I mean, we're, we're talking about Ankao saying that you have to bounce back. So the first opportunity to bounce back is not MLS action. It's, it's this crucial now, second leg tie in Edmonton on Wednesday. Yeah. What does Robbo do? Obviously, he wants the points next Saturday away to Colorado because that's vital. It's a Western Conference clash. But you want to advance in the Voyagers Cup. Do you put the faith in the team that played really flat and poorly on Wednesday? Or do you have some of the starters that started today playing on Wednesday? I think what I would do is I would put Waston in and take Samson out. So move Parker to the right side. So play Waston and Dean together. Because I think Waston can, he has the legs and I think he can play multiple games in a week. The other spot, obviously Harvey has to play. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Tiber, I think they need a little more. Uh, they need a bit to, more bite. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe Flores plays in with Tybert. I think Tybert's going to play. I think I have a feeling he will play in that game. Still have Froze on the right side? Or if, if Rosales is good to go? I would put him in. Why yeah. not? If Especially if you don't want to uh, have him play in the altitude in Colorado. And then I think you give Mesquite another chance. With But you keep Morales on the bench. I would keep Morales on the bench. The big question is, do you play Maddox on the wing and Earnshaw on top, or do you play somebody else on the wing and, and put Maddox well, on top? Well, Hurtado did nothing. That's what I did, Wednesday, yeah. Apart from a couple of misses, one in particular in the 66th minute, that had his head in his hands, everyone's head in their hands, and our photographer Tom got a great picture of Hurtado kneeling with his head in his hands and Earnshaw just yelling in the background as if to yeah. go, what the hell did you miss that for? Well, no, I don't think Earnshaw would do that. No, that. but that's how I like to That would be a goal it. against his coaching yes. system. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I like to imagine it, it played out. I mean, what, what would you do on Wednesday, Har? How many of the 
the key starters would you throw in there? First or off, that was a great photo that Tom had, by the way, of Eric Hurtado. Um, yeah, I like your idea, Steve, with the back four that you were thinking. Maybe Parker at right back and then Kendall comes in. Because is coming off that injury. I don't know if you want to... I didn't think Bateshaw looked very good today. I don't no. want to know if you want to risk his ass on the, on the pitch on, on Wednesday. You don't want to have his ass on the line. Well, no. But uh, as you were saying... Might be in a sling. Michael, as you were saying, up top with the, <laughs> with the forwards and the mids... I definitely, I would give Earnshaw the start. What the yeah. hell is he doing here if he's not going to start in this kind of game? And Mosquita, I like Mosquita out there. I think he would play Darren Maddox because he's going to be going away for a month in like a few weeks. Could be away for two months. And then, uh, maybe you go with Rosales and then see how he does. Maybe you swap him for Pedro if the game's not going your way. And then as soon as you get a comfortable lead, you you take off some of the guys and bring in reinforcements. Yeah. But you've oh, got to put your big forces out there. You're confident here of getting a comfortable lead. I'm not so confident about that. No, well, the, FC Edmonton has to play Sunday. And that's going to be a big thing yeah. because they got to play San Antonio, uh, who are the defending champions in the ASL. So at, at home, they are playing at home, but it's still going to be a, a difficult match. Well, I mean, the thing is, like the Whitecaps, they, they have to score at least one because yeah. they, they have to know a zero, this uh, No, a zero goal. zero yeah. tie and they're eliminated. So one goal for the Whitecaps early on changes the whole dynamic of the game. Two goals for the Whitecaps in the match mean that Edmonton have to score three times. Yeah. So I think they're going to attack. But then we thought they were going to go all out attack on Wednesday, and then four minutes they're one 0 down. Yeah. The worst thing that could possibly happen is Edmonton get another early goal because they'll sit back, and then even if the Whitecaps tie it up at one all, it's still the time. Then it goes to yeah. Then yeah. it goes to extra time, and then you don't want to do that in your uh, way. I I I just have a bad feeling about this. The, the Whitecaps on paper should have this in the bag. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, on but, on the pitch. I don't know. But the thing is, people talk about, you know, uh, Edmonton, you should be able to beat Edmonton, should be able to beat Edmonton. There is a, if you look at US Open Cup, there are always a lot of upsets and a lot of those NASL teams, sometimes even teams that are at lower levels, upset these MLS teams. And you talked about chemistry of, of the, the MLS team. There was no chemistry at all in Wednesday well, night. They played like a bunch of players that had never actually met each other before, never mind the fact they hadn't played in a game. Yeah. I think that was disappointing. Well, you've got the USL team, you've got the first team Whitecaps team, and then you've got the players that are either not USL full-time or not Whitecaps first team full-time. Yeah. You've mixed all this together, and it's got you know, scrambled eggs out there on the pitch. They didn't really seem to have chemistry or know what to do with the ball or each other. So uh, against FC Edmonton on Wednesday, they're going to have to find some kind of chemistry and go at it. I think you know, they've got to come out and attack, 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 score the goals. And I think in the second half, perhaps, if they do have a few goals... Park the bus, hang on for dear life, and get the hell out of Edmonton. Well, I, th- I think that should just be about all we, we talk about just now. But just before we go, as always, I, what's, has that phone booth always been over there, Steve? I don't know. Should we check it out? Yeah. Okay, Harry, okay. You, you wait here. We'll, we'll let's we're just check gonna, this out. We're going to just check out this phone booth and, and see what it is. So let's... Wow, it's weird colour. Hello? Hello? Wow. What the hell? What? No! 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 What the? Wow, we're at Thunderbird Stadium, and by the looks of it, it's just in time for kickoff between Whitecaps 2 and Oklahoma Energy. So let, let's watch the game, and then we'll 
give folk a little recap on it. So, Whitecaps 2, still looking for their first home win. It's so close today, though. Two-all draw yeah. against the, the Circus Clowns from Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody wants to know why we're calling them Circus Clowns, it's because of the second goal that they scored. They, they had... Um, who likes to do acrobatic throw-ins. Yeah. But basically, it's a two-all draw. We're not going to go over the whole game because I know that you guys don't really want to hear that. But it was a very young Whitecaps team today. Yeah. I mean, you had Ben McKendry, Marco Carducci, really the, the only... And Caleb Clark off the and, bench. Oh, Caleb Clark off the bench. And the only MLS guys. played really well too. But it's still they're still struggling to get anything going. Yeah. I think today was just a learning experience about how to close a game. And I think they just maybe got caught up. Like you said, that acrobatic, uh, we'll talk about that goal first. That, uh, that basically throw in, I think it was from 30, 35 yards out from the sideline, right into the box, into the six-yard area. Carducci looked like he had it. It kind of went off somebody and then just dribbled over the net. Well, they had so many folk in front of Carducci. Yeah. The sun's beating down his eyes as well. I mean, it's yeah. really, really hard to defend against. So, I mean, after the game, we had a quick chat with WFC2 head coach Alan Koch. Just about that match and just how the season and how the team's kind of panned out so far. So let's just hear from Alan Koch just now. Well, that was close to being the, the first home win. It must be a disappointing way to end. Yeah, disappointing. Obviously, obviously we came back to get the lead and then we were 2-1. I think we had several chances to, to make it 3-4-1. You take those chances and then the game's 4-1 and the game's over. Uh, we don't, uh, unfortunately. We allow them to come back in and score a, a flip-throw goal and doesn't matter how you score as long as you score and give them credit they scored and they leave you here with a point and how hard is, is that to defend against because it, it, it seemed to really with the sun especially being in like Marco's eyes seemed really hard to defend yeah it's a huge it's a huge asset for them to have uh, obviously it's a it's a tool he, he played at the University of Washington so when I was at Simon Fraser I coached against him many many years uh, saw him have that success in the college game and now he's obviously had success now in the pro game with that so very very difficult to deal with it because they've got a lot of big bodies that they throw and put them in front of Marco intentionally uh, tough to manage that particularly when it's landing inside your six yard box so hopefully he could have come I haven't seen it yet I'd obviously go watch the video and see if he could have punched it or come through um, but give them credit it's a dangerous tool to have only a couple of MLS starters in the in the starting eleven, and one coming off the bench. Is it, it, how was that different from other weeks that you guys have been coaching? So we played young like that a few times on the road. Uh, probably the youngest we played at home. Uh, if you look at obviously Walker's an MLS player, but he's 18 years old in goal. Uh, we had both our fullbacks, Chris Hill and Jordan Haynes, are both 19 years old. Jackson Farmer's just turned 20 a few days ago, uh, and then Craig Nitty's either 22 or 23. So very very young. Um, Obviously, it's nice if you have experience, and we don't. When we put a group out, like we, we know we don't have experience, but this is why we're here. It's part of the process. It's for the young guys to learn, uh, and hopefully they can learn from situations like that today. Uh, I thought, for the most part, they dealt with some big, strong center forwards very, very well at the back. Um, so they'll, they'll learn from it, and hopefully we'll get better together as a group. You felt you grew into the second half a little bit, and that's why you'd probably be disappointed you didn't win the game? Yeah, I was a little disappointed with how we played in the first half. Uh, I challenged the lads at halftime because, obviously, they played on, on Friday night in Seattle. Uh, I said to them at halftime, I, I've kind of felt that Oklahoma City were the team that looked like they were fresh uh, and that we might have played. Uh, I think in the second half, we definitely grew into the game. We started to take it to them. Whether that was our enthusiasm or our fitness or their fatigue, who knows. But I thought we were the better team in the second half and we are going at them. I think we did a better job of possessing the ball too and obviously creating chances, we just didn't take them. When you look at the standings at the moment, which I know is not the, the, the key thing for this team, but a lot of the teams that are below the playoff line are the MLS teams. Is that because 
you guys are focusing more on development and the standalone teams are the teams that's really kind of going for the the honours really yeah I'd probably think so um, obviously uh, playing with a young team in a professional game is not easy uh, we believe in our young players we think they're good players and it's a great learning experience for our guys just like it is for all the other MLS teams two teams um, the other teams and take Oklahoma City as an example are, are older and they have players that have played professionally for five, six, seven years. And if you play professionally for that amount of time, as opposed to guys maybe playing five or six professional games in his career, it's going to make a difference. Um, so that's probably a big reason why those teams are further up the table than we are. But we're going to come out and compete in every game. Uh, I think we have. Our first game where we didn't deserve to get anything out of it, I think every game we've played, we've competed. Uh, and the young guys aren't getting better. They get better every single week. Uh, we're just obviously a little bit of a roller coaster up and down. Uh, we'd like to turn a couple of these draws into to wins, which I think we will do. Uh, we're excited now to be at home, obviously, for a few weeks. Uh, the next two games will be huge, and hopefully we can get a W in one of those games. So, I mean, at some point we are going to find that the that the team are going to get a win, yeah. but, I mean, it's more about development. I mean, yeah. As I asked Alan there, when you look at the USL standings just now, the way that it's working, all, all bar, really, I mean, Seattle, Sounders 2, LA Galaxy 2, they're the teams that are kind of like standing out at the moment as being the only two MLS teams that's in the playoff spots. The other ones are below the playoff line and they're kind of just, they're using it obviously more as development. You, you would expect, people are looking at this thing with expect the MLS teams to be high above. And, and the, like you said, the, the two teams that are in the top spot is LA and Seattle. Uh, LA, obviously, because this is their second year. Uh, playing in there and Seattle Seattle has a lot of players that are in the 22 23 range and they don't uh, we, we spoke to uh, one of their their coaches they they bring on the residency guys late in the game like the 19 18 year olds so they're playing a lot of veterans or you know young veterans as well for them so that's where you see it and all the other teams they're playing a lot of young guys and and, and kind of putting teams together I, mean, I, th- I think it was good to see today that I think this team actually plays better when the MLS guys aren't in it. Yeah. It's like because they've trained more, they've trained together, they know each other's game, they're just playing a lot better. I think, yeah, I think this was probably one of their best games, like just build build up play. There was just a lack of finish. They they hit the post once. Uh, the, their keeper, the, uh, the energy keeper, had to make a couple of big saves. Corducci, actually, we should mention him, he made a huge save at one point, made the f- initial stop and then followed, did the follow-up as well. Um, it was a pretty good outing for all, overall. Yeah, and talking of keepers, talking of the energy, Oklahoma head coach is a familiar face to many, I'm sure, former Sporting Kansas City goalkeeper Jimmy Nielsen, the yep. Great Dane. The Great Dane before David Oustead. And the, uh, another nickname is the White Puma, apparently, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we had a chance to, to speak. To, this is like a goalkeeper show. We had Casey Keller earlier. Yeah. So now we actually spoke to Jimmy Nielsen as well. A little bit about the Oklahoma side, how he got into coaching, and also his thoughts on his fellow Dane, David Oustead. So here's Jimmy Nielsen. How, how did you, you view that game today? I mean, you had the game on Friday night tired legs but you, you fought by it right to the end and you got the late equaliser yeah of course it's not the ideal situation but you know it, it happens for, for all the teams we got to get through this it's what the league is but of course we have 36 hours to, to recover from, from our last game and of course that's not an ideal situation and I think hopefully it will change over years how the, the league is developing but uh, to the game today I think the guys uh, you know they worked hard it was it was a game with a lot of chances in 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 both ends. Um, it's been a little entertaining to to watch, especially the, the first half. Uh, 
pleased with the chances we're creating in, in first half, uh, but we're giving up way too many chances today. I think our, our goalkeeper had to pull out some some very very good saves. Uh, very happy on on his behalf. Uh, but overall, you know, it was, it's, it was a difficult game. You know, Vancouver came out with good fresh legs and a lot of energy, and uh, made it very, very difficult for us today. Uh, when, you, when you score with a with a few minutes left to to tie the game, you know, I'm not standing here satisfied with the results, but you you, you got to accept it and, and be okay with it. This is your second season coaching Oklahoma. How have you found the dynamic of the league has changed with all these MLS reserve teams coming in? No, I think it's awesome those uh, MLS teams are in, but it's tough to prepare yourself for those games. You know, you don't know what you're facing, yeah. and uh, it must be even worse to be be the coach for 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 a team. You probably don't know what he's getting either. So it's it's got to find the balance. But I think it's a, it's it's a great uh, opportunity for the young players. They can develop in in this league here and and, and play soccer on a good level with a lot of intensity and. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, it was a pretty good game today. You know, it was the momentum was shifting back and forth. But uh, but again, we came here for three points. We got one. We scored in the last minute. I'm I'm okay with that. Now for you personally, was coaching something that you always wanted to, to go into? Because goalkeepers on the whole don't tend to go into coaching as much as some of the outfield players. Yeah, I always wanted to coach. Uh, you know, I took, started my coaching education seven years ago, so kind of knew what direction I wanted to go in and uh, I've definitely not regretted one second that that I chose what I did two years ago a year and a half ago uh, I think it was a great opportunity for me uh, to be in Oklahoma City uh, we have a fantastic ownership uh, there was a lot of ambition in the club and we got a fantastic fan base so I'm I'm very pleased with the decision I made. Now goalkeepers in general are known as fiery and you were known as a fiery goalkeeper when you were playing. Uh, how does that translate to being a coach and everything? Do you have to like uh, bring it back a little bit or do you just let yourself go the way you are? No, you've got to be who you are. Yeah. You know, if you're not yourself, you know, I, in my opinion, you'll, you'll fail big time over time. Uh, I am who I am. Sometimes I, I react hard. Other times I'm a little calmer. Uh, got to... Sometimes I've got to tell myself to, to calm down a little bit or I'll get a text message from my wife that she's not happy with the behavior she sees on TV. Uh, but uh, other than that, you know, you've got to be yourself. I am who I am. They hired me for, for the guy I am too. So I don't see there's any reason that I should fake anything and, and, and try to be someone else. I'm Jimmy and uh, I'll stay as Jimmy. Now, obviously, we have a Scandinavian goalkeeper here in Vancouver, David Eisted. He There's been a lot of comparisons between the two of you. Partly because of where you come from, the look, but also the fiery nature on the pitch. What, what have you made of Eister's play? Have you had a chance to see much of him? No, listen, I want to put it this way here. David Eister is, with no question in this moment here, the best goalkeeper in the MLS. I think he's done a fantastic job for, for Vancouver. And uh, he's playing on a high, 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 high level. He probably made the, the best save in MLS uh, history the other week. I'm very, very happy on, for, on, on, on his behalf. Uh, fantastic guy off the field. Uh, he deserves all, all the credit he's, uh, he's getting. He's fantastic goalkeeper, and uh, you should do, you should work hard to, to keep him up here, because he's, he's, he's a game changer. You know, he keeps Vancouver in the games. He's making the important saves, and uh, I think he's, in my opinion, no question, the best goalkeeper in the MLS. So that was Jimmy Nielsen, and I, I actually after the uh, we, the. 
devices were off. We actually let him know, but uh, it was uh, Craig McEwen calling the game today. And one of my favorite line was uh, after in 2011 when we were playing Sporting Kansas City, came back from being down three nil to tie it. And Jimmy Nielsen, like, just losing it. And his line was... Yeah, two goals and stoppage. Time. Yeah, Jimmy, Lewis, Jimmy Nielsen's lost his nut or something like that. Yeah. I thought that was a fantastic line. It's one of the best lines. I mean, he was such a fiery goalkeeper. Yeah. He's like one of those characters that you love to have in the game. And it's kind of... MLS is a little bit worse off for, for not having him. Yeah. But it was great to catch up with him. Really nice guy. He's really enjoying coaching. Last thing we'll mention about this game, the crowd today, it was about 1,200, which... It wasn't actually bad because I was expecting this was always going to be a test. It's the first yeah. game, non MLS team, non MLS team coming. Actually, non uh, non derby, yeah. Uh, non, and it's like a beautiful sunny day. It's yeah. a long weekend. Some hockey thing was on this morning or something as well. I'm not sure what's going on there. No, we won't spoil that if anybody listens. Um, but, I mean, 1,200 crowd. I thought it would have been about five or 600. When I first arrived as well, it I, didn't I, look that good. I, I personally don't think it was 1,200. I think 1,200 tickets, tickets might have been sold. But there, there was a lot of late walk-ups as well, which yeah. was good. So, I mean, it was an entertaining game. And... There's two more home games coming up. So, I mean, if you've got a chance to get out on Sunday, I know UBC... I mean, we're having, we had this debate on Twitter during the game. It's a long trail for a lot of people, yeah, especially yeah. folk... Especially two in days Surrey in a row. It's two days in a row, yeah. too, because you got to come out yesterday. You're, you're, some people obviously probably went out after the game at the, to the bar and everything like that, and then have to go home, and then you have to come out early again. It's a little difficult, but... Uh, next well, week, next yeah, week's next the chance. Sunday. There's no game on Saturday. You watch it at home, and you come out here on the next day. And the monarchs are coming. Ah, I guess we should probably head back to the Tardis now. There, let's go. Okay, get back, and I think Har's waiting for us. Oh yeah, jeez, Har, I forgot I all about there, her. Yeah. Oh, we're back. back. We're back at BC okay. Place. Yeah, it's good times. Uh, okay, um, uh, so uh, thanks, Doctor. Uh, thanks, Clara. We'll, we'll see you again soon. Oh, and Har's still here. So yeah, Har, let's go. We've not yeah. lost any time at yeah, all. Yeah, that's excellent. They're Har, awesome. uh, right back. So. What happened, we, guys? Uh, we... we were at the, the USL game. It was a Whitecaps draw against OK Energy. That's unbelievable. I can't believe I missed that. Well, you can still go because it's Cause tomorrow. tomorrow, yeah. We've just we just we, we we saw it already. We ruined it for you though. You did yeah. do yeah. that, yeah. But if you want to put some money on the game, at least you kind of know what to do. Well, I, th- I think that that's, should be it for yeah, this episode. It. I mean, that's all the excitement my little ticker can 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 uh, handle. So before we go, Har, just let everyone in this realm and this dimension know where they can find you online. You can read my white cap stuff at Red Nation Online, and you can read my women's soccer stuff at Equalizer Soccer. And my name is Steve Pander, and you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. I am the master, Michael McCall, and you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff, AFTN, AFTN.ca. Most of the Whitecaps Beat Reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so watch out for all my stuff on that. So until next time, I think all that is left for us to say is thanks for listening, take care, and I really hate the Sounders. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.